Welcome to the Getting Heaven Into People podcast. I'm Dave Ripper, a pastor here in New England, and I want to thank you for listening. After two years of the pandemic, almost all of us are hurting in some way, and so many of our churches are reeling. To address the deeply felt need Christians and churches have, I've designed this podcast to invite us to experience deeper healing and freedom over a 40-day journey as we pursue spiritual transformation together. I'm praying today's episode helps you experience greater joy, contentment, and confidence in your life and walk with God. So as you listen, may God's grace and peace be with you. Welcome to Getting Heaven in the People. I'm Dave Ripper. I'm so glad you could join us. And we are on day 35 of a 40-day journey where we have been learning and praying about how to cultivate greater spiritual freedom. And in these final days of our journey together, we are helping you work toward crafting a curriculum for Christ-likeness, or is what some ancient Christians called a rule of life. And last time I contended that crafting a curriculum for Christ-likeness should be done in such a way that we can reflect who God is. And at the very heart of who God is, is that he, as Dallas Willard describes him, is the most joyous being in the universe. So a curriculum for Christ's likeness should have as a key part of its goal, cultivating joy. In fact, in John 15, 11, Jesus says, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. God desires for you to have a joyous existence. As Willard says, joy is a pervasive sense of well-being. It means that even though everything is not okay in your life, you can still be well off because you are connected to the source, the creator, the giver of all life. And Jesus says he has come he desires, he shared what he has shared with us so that we might have his joy and that joy might be complete in us. So I think that is a great end. When we think about crafting a curriculum for Christ's likeness, it should be something life-giving. It should be something that brings joy into us. It should enable us to have such gratitude for God that we would almost be too grateful, too full of joy to be tempted towards sin, to give in to things all too easily or readily. When we have so much abundant joy, which is what Jesus wants us to experience, we can be freed from those temptations that try and rule over us. Throughout my life, one of the things I have been challenged to do in different academic settings have been to craft a life mission statement. Have you ever tried crafting that before? Lots of organizations and churches will have these pithy statements that try and summarize all the things that they are about in just a few words. Uh, like we can think of airlines, uh, like Southwest, say we are the low fare air carrier. Or here at Crossway, we are practicing the way of Jesus together. And I've tried to think about that a lot for my own life, and I've written out probably hundreds of statements, but the one that finally stuck, crafted about two and a half, three years ago, was simple. Reflect God's joy. 
based here on John 15. Reflect God's joy. Now, what helped connect the dots for me with this mission? This mission, uh, I talk about that because it should be central when we think about how we are crafting a curriculum for Christ-likeness or a rule of life. This mission uh, really came to me as it relates to my rule of life through Gary Moon's book, Apprenticeship with Jesus. He describes God as joy in motion. And we see this joy in motion as we recognize that God is, in Gary's words, a community of compassion and creativity. And because God is a community of compassion and creativity, he is joy in motion. If that's who God is, then I want to reflect his joy as a person made in his image. And so to reflect his joy, I have tried to create a rhythm, a way of life, a rule of life, this curriculum for Christ likeness anchored in these three aspects that I believe Gary wisely draws out about the nature of God. If he's joy in motion, I believe that is because he is community and compassion and possesses this creativity. It's what might my life be like if it was filled with a Trinitarian connection, community with God who is community, with a sense of compassionate presence, since God is compassion. And what about creativity? What if that was a part of my rule as well? So what I ended up crafting And feel free to steal this if you'd like, or maybe this might be a launching point for you to craft your own. But I I used a Venn diagram, if you can envision envision that with me, a Venn diagram, kind of three overlapping circles. Uh, Each circle overlaps with the other one, and all three in the center overlap with one another. And if you look at that very center of the circle, I would encourage you to maybe draw this out so you can maybe visualize this if you're able. But put the word joy in the center. One circle would say Trinitarian connection. Another circle would say creative play. And the final circle would say compassionate presence. And the dynamic of these three things working together, reflective of the very nature of who God is, I believe helps me create a curriculum for Christ-likeness that will lead to God's joy to increase in my life and hopefully in the lives of those around me in an increasing measure. So today, I want to talk about this Trinitarian connection. What are the facets of this rule of life, this curriculum for Christ-likeness that goes into staying as connected to the Trinity as possible? Tomorrow, we will, and the next day, we will look at creative play and compassionate presence. So let's talk a little bit about what might go into a rule of life, a curriculum for Christ-likeness that enables us to experience life with the Trinity on a daily basis. For me, here are some of the key things that are not have-tos, but get-tos when I try and live my life in a way of staying connected with the Trinity. There's three key things that are part of my day every day. Varying lengths depending on the time, but almost always a part of my daily life. Scripture, prayer, hyphenated those together. That's one of the things Eugene Peter says, scripture and prayer always go together. You can't really separate one from the other. So scripture prayer is the first. The second is the prayer of examine or examine. 
And thirdly, centering prayer. That's a daily thing. So every day for me, I generally will pray through just one psalm a day, take some time in the gospel or another passage of scripture or part of the Bible that I'm reading or maybe potentially preparing for, for teaching. And we try and pray that text, listen for what God might have uh, to say through that. Even if it's just a verse or two that is so important. If I'm not in God's word and in prayer, I just feel like the entire day is off for me. The prayer of examine is one that is also indispensable. And you can read more about that if you kind of search examine, E-X-A-M-E-N, and St. Ignatius of Loyola, who was a person who really helped to promote this idea and uh, just show the beauty of it in profound ways. And it can have as many as five steps to it. I try and look at the, the examine in three key steps, reflecting on what are the gifts I have been given today by God? What are the struggles I have faced And then lastly, what's the invitation that God is giving to me based on the gifts and the struggles that I have faced to become more whole and more holy? Gifts, struggles, invitation. We can't just, uh, to become Christ-like, I think, just take in more and more content. We actually have to pause our content intake so that we can reflect and experience can be one of our greatest teachers, but not just experience, but reflected upon experience as we reflect on our experiences with God to notice how he was at work in our life each and every day. So those are kind of the three key aspects of what I do to stay intentionally connected with the Trinity on a daily basis. Weekly, And this kind of overlaps with the creative play circle, which we will get to. But along with that, on a weekly basis, I want to practice Sabbath, a day to play and pray and rest. We'll talk more about that. On a weekly basis, worship uh, with a community of others is still absolutely essential for me, not just because it's my day-to-day job, but I would be in church irrespective of uh, my, my work. And, and I think it's something that we make a decision that we're going to be there every Sunday once, not on a weekly basis. That's a key part of the rhythm, not because of what I can get out of it, but often for the mere sake that we are called to worship God and God can use each and every one of us to help others worship and grow in Christ-likeness. Those are two key monthly practices, or weekly practices rather. And then a couple monthly practices are really indispensable for me as well, for that Trinitarian connection. And the primary one I will just hit on today is receiving spiritual direction. And that looks like meeting with uh, a person. Uh, I do it over Zoom for about 60 minutes And we just reflect together on what God has been stirring in my heart and my life over the last uh, 30 days or so. The goal is to help recognize how God is at work and to respond to these different facets of what God might be saying and doing. And I would say over the last 15, maybe yeah, years or so, receiving spiritual direction has been one of the most formative things for me 
to help me really grow, not just my knowledge of God informationally, but experientially to encounter him more and more and to learn to find him in all things. So love for you to think about what helps you connect with the relational God who at the heart of the universe is this joyous relationship of holy love. Each and every day, God is calling to us to notice him, to share life and love with him. How might God be inviting you to respond to that? Critical to forming a curriculum for Christ-likeness or crafting a rule of life is building in intentional rhythms and patterns for how we might practice the presence of God, how might we might be with him. Last episode, I talked about some of the practices of monastic communities of faith, like the Benedictines or the uh, from the rule of St. Augustine. And oftentimes, people would practice what's called a daily office. This is something I found to be a little too much for me, but I might want to share it with you because it might be helpful for you. That often involves a morning time of prayer, a midday prayer, oftentimes praying through the Lord's Prayer, an evening prayer roughly around dinner time, and then what they would call compline, uh, a prayer set time before bed. And oftentimes in these monastic fellowships, everyone joins together to do these things. But there are many other communities that will try and craft a rhythm of praying three or four times a day, much like Daniel, we find praying three times a day, even when it was considered to be illegal. But daily in the morning, around noontime, evening, and perhaps around bedtime. Perhaps that is an invitational rhythm to help foster life with the Trinity that God might be inviting you to. There are some great resources out there if you talk about praying the daily office or just search that that you can find. But getting to be in relationship with God is not a have to, to get to. And because Jesus came and lived and died and rose from the grave to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins, our separation from God, each and every one of us has an all-access pass into the presence of God by faith. And so how might God be inviting you to build a rule of life that helps you to pay attention, to notice, and to enjoy the joyous presence of the Trinity who loves you, who is with you, is inviting you to be with him. Next time we'll look at creative play and compassionate presence as we work toward building a curriculum for Christ-likeness that we might reflect the joy of God. And so may the joy of Jesus be with you and may his joy in you be complete. We'll see you next time.